Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again today. This is going to be a great day, a good teaching. We're going to wrap up our sermon series today, the one that we've been doing on the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that was ever preached by Jesus Christ. And today we're going to finish up with the part of the sermon that deals with building your house on the rock. It's found in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. If you would go ahead and turn there now, we'll be looking at that in just one second. Last week, you heard me talk about the need for uh, submitting ourselves to um, to the government. And I know there's a lot of thoughts on that these days. Let me just clarify uh, what I said last week about the church's submission to the government. Now, this is tough teaching, but we have to know this. Paul tells us in Romans 13 to submit to the governing authorities. Now, if you remember, Peter told the Pharisees in Acts, we must obey God rather than man. So hearing those two things from these two great men, and both are in the Bible, how do we justify those two commands? Well, the only way is to obey government authorities except in the instances of mandated immorality. So if a government mandate does not cause us to sin, then we are to obey it because that authority it used to issue that is from God. For example, if we receive a mask-wearing mandate, then we should wear masks because it's not sinful to do so. The mandate may be uh, ineffective, as some people have said. It may be, it may not be, but it's not sinful. So this submission would be a reflection of the kind of submission a Christian is supposed to embrace before God. Now, if the mandate does does cause us to sin, however, uh, we are to be righteous while submitting to the government's authority at the same time. And, and you say, well, how, how do you do that? Well, con- consider this example. If, the, if a mandate is enacted that says that churches must cease meeting together because of the risk of COVID-19, um, I'm going to go and tell you that First Baptist will disobey that mandate. He said in Hebrews 10:28, "Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves." So, not meeting together is a sin. And I want to confess to you now that I was involved in the immoral act of calling off the gathering of the church several times this year under the advice of of the state government. And I truly regret those decisions. That was sin, and I'm asking for your forgiveness as I've asked God for His. Now, I call on every church leader who is complicit in those decisions to do the same. We will not make that mistake again. All right, so if the government mandates that we cannot meet, we will, we will practice what one preacher referred to as nonviolent social disobedience. We will continue to meet together. We're going to. But we must be willing to submit to the government in the process. That seems to be juxtaposed, right? Well, we must be willing to peacefully accept the consequences of meeting together. So if the police burst in our our sanctuary or our COAC after that mandate is given, I'm going to say, look, I've got to, I have to, I must obey God rather than man. So arrest me if you must. I will not fight you. I gladly yield to you for the consequences of, of obeying my God. And, and I'm, I'm going to conduct myself just, just like the apostles did in Acts 5. They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer the dishonor of the name. So I hope this is clear. Christians must weigh every earthly law against the scriptures, however hard, ha- however messy or complicated it gets. 
it's it's difficult. Remember, I told you, it, I've been telling you, it's difficult to live as a Christian in a fallen world that seeks to destroy moral living because you're going to be destroyed in the process, possibly. There's been a lot of Christians who have been killed standing up for the for the gospel and, and the glory of, of, of God. So we, we have to learn to love people, even the people that seek to destroy our cause, just as as just as Christ did on, on on the cross. I mean, look, he asked for forgiveness for the man who nailed him to the cross, didn't he? This is so countercultural, but it may just be the strongest evidence that Jesus is real and that a relationship with him can radically change lives. We we can help each other through this. So so look, just call me if you want to discuss this any further, but that's what the scripture says about about us yielding to uh to the government. Now, on to today's preaching. Like I said, this is going to be really good. I hope you turn to Luke chapter 6, 46 through 49 and we're going to wrap up this sermon series based on the sermon of God. Hold on. This is going to be really really good. Welcome to the Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. All right, well, well, um, thank you again for tuning in. Just like last week, before we read the passage, I want to define some of the terms that Jesus is using here. So some of the phrases so that we can, when we do read this, we can understand completely what he wants, okay? Wants us to understand. He's going to use the phrase, there's a man building a house. And he's, he's literally talking about someone who's trying to secure a place in heaven, all right? A person that hears, has some understanding of Jesus' teaching and works towards the goal of righteousness. Remember, he's speaking to his disciples here. He's speaking to people, to the newly appointed apostles. So he's talking about someone securing a place in heaven. And so so the goal is good. The uh, the man building the house. The the goal is good. The the means is not always right, though. For example, those who who seek salvation by doing good or just by by being the best that they can be and hopefully their good deeds will outweigh their bad deeds, that's not... That's not scriptural. Uh, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about people securing a place in heaven. Either you do that by faith or you do that by religion. Faith always wins in that instance. Now, he's going to use the phrase foundation on the rock. The foundation is is a, is a stable support. You know, it's, it's sure, it's strong, it's stable. In this context, he's referring to the to the support, the, the solid support that comes from true faith that brings about, brings, uh, about obedience. So, you know, we, we've read James before. You know, James says faith without works is dead. So he's talking about a faith that brings about obedience, not uh, obedience that brings about faith, all right? So he's, he's using that for foundation. He also uses in that phrase the rock, and that's the acknowledgement of who Jesus is, what he's done. Remember what Peter said. Peter, when, he, when Jesus asked the, the apostles, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Okay? Peter acknowledged that. And, and so Jesus turns to him and said, that's true. That, that is foundational. That's the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. So the rock is the truth of who Jesus is. Now, that he uses the full phrase, dug deep and laid the foundation of the rock. Now, this, this refers to the efforts of a person to acknowledge Christ. Okay, They acknowledge Christ, who He is, what He's done in their lives, received His salvation by grace through faith and vowed to live for the glory of His name and obedience will pour out of that. And that person will find strength and stability to move towards the goal of eternal life, of, of righteousness in Christ in heaven. All right, now Jesus is going to use the word flood. And he's talking about the troubles that come with life. There's always stressors, you know, like, well, just keeping with that analogy, like the force of water pushing through the creek bed in a, in a stream. Most of the time, the, the structure of our lives can handle the pressure, just like, just like the banks of a creek bed can usually handle the flow of water. But, but when that water adds up, like, like in a flood situation, that stream can become very uh, swollen and destructive, and it can rise above its bed and hit somebody's property, somebody's house. Likewise, the stressors in our lives can compound and grow so big that it could bring harm and hurt to us. And this is the case. This is the case of this analogy that Jesus is using. All right, so those are the terms. Try to remember them as we read through this uh, again, if you need to review that, just hit that rewind button and listen to that one more time. All right, so let's go on to Luke chapter 6, 46 through 49. Here's what it says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do, and do not do what I tell you to do? Everyone who comes to me and hears my voice and does them, I will show you what he is like. Okay, now here's the analogy. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose and the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been very well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell off and the ruin of that house was great. There's a few main points that I need to pull out. You need to catch this today. So, so put on your, your thinking caps and your hearing ears because we need to talk about this. All right, one is there are two kinds of people who hear Jesus. Those who hear and obey, those who hear and disobey. Now, he uses the phrase, Lord, Lord, and you think, well, who does that? I mean, who comes up to me and says, hey, Mike, Mike, how you doing today? Unless you're that commercial, Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? Anyway, so he is, that was ridiculous. So he's using this phrase, Lord, Lord, to point to, uh, to, point to zeal. This is indicative of, of pointless zeal, building hype on hype alone without any substance to it. Uh, that, you know, there's nothing to sustain that hype. So when they say, Lord, Lord, with no real relationship that could indicate that, that he's really Lord of a person's life, it's not real. And we know that mere hype towards Christ is not enough. Look, listen to what Matthew 7 uh, wrote. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the zeal here. By the way, this is the same conversation, the same sermon that's recorded in, uh, in Luke here in Matthew chapter 7. 
And he continues in verse 22, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So the work is not enough. It is a relationship that makes a difference. Relationship that drives obedience, not the other way around. Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. We talked about that last week. And so those who hear and believe and and trust in Jesus, the work is going to come out of them. But those who hear and do not, the work's not going to come out of them. That's the two kinds of people who hear Jesus. Secondly, disastrous events can and do arise quickly. I mean, things that were once harmless... You know, it can rise up and hit us, right? Streams become dangerous in flood situations. Uh, you know, or ordinary men, we, we, hear, we hear this in history, ordinary men in, in really in just in ordinary situations, they can become a force. We know that, you know, many years ago, uh, 1919, uh, Adolf Hitler was an army veteran. He was frustrated by Germany's defeat in World War I. And, and that left his nation just economically depressed. It was very unstable, politically speaking, and, and, and just a, a, an organization rose up out of that called the German Workers' Party. And it was just a small group of men, probably sitting in a bar, talking about their frustrations, and this came out. And the party began to promote German nationalism, and on top of that, anti-Semitism, right? And so... They, they felt that that treaty at Versailles, the, the peace treaty at the end of the war, that, that was extremely unjust, and, and so they stood up against it. And since Hitler was very charismatic, he rose to the, the front of that and became kind of the leader of that. He was blaming the Jews and the Marxists and everybody else except for their own self and, and saying that there were many people who were not holding on to the... To the um, the idea that the Aryan race was was a master race, you know, it was it was a perfect race. So he assumed leadership position. But what I'm saying is, he and that small group of people started that, and it almost altered the entire course of the world. What started in just as ordinary men in a little ordinary bar became a real force, and it had to be dealt with. There's always threats. There's always revolutions. You hear about that now, especially in our country, uh, of internal threats, internal revolution, because, because of this election, right? So things can rise up quickly. And Jesus says, he uses the words when, by the way, not if. Jesus says when the flood arose, right? So the storms of life are a certainty. This echoes his words in John 16. In this world, you will have many troubles. So we know those things can just well up very quickly and come against us. And if we don't have a good foundation, oh, it's bad. That leads us to point number three. The disobedient hearer will be ruined. I mean, look, when, when the stream broke against it, it fell. What does the scripture say? Immediately. Immediately, it ruined the house. The, the ruin of the house was great. Okay, so in context, those who are seeking to build their eternal life, their, their religion based on hype or, or good works alone will suddenly be accursed. 
Look, this is harsh, but you got to hear this. You have to hear this. This is how this plays out uh, to those who are described this way. So they live their lives content on trying to be good, trying to be helpful for the culture, trying to be encouraging and loving, trying not to be a racist or do hateful things or say hateful words. So they're content on trying to be good, right? And they might, they might even attend and be active in a church so that they can get the, the good vibes and the social benefits that come with church attendance. And they give and they serve, even in the church, simply to feel good about themselves, hoping that this is going to be enough to get them into eternal life. But then they endure the hardships of life with all of its stressors. And then the ultimate stressor arises and overcomes them. They die. And they stand before God. And they hear God say, you know, you're, you're not welcomed in my presence. And, and they'll say, Lord, Lord. And remember, they have a lot, a lot of zeal for doing, just doing good. Didn't we, didn't we feed people? Didn't we, didn't we read your word? Did, didn't we cast out demons? <laughs> you know, did we feed the, the hungry and take care of orphans? Didn't we do all that? And God will tell them. But you never knew me, and I don't know you. And they're condemned by their own sin. No one goes to hell except for their own sin, their own rebellion, their own refusal of God to to do an eternity apart from the goodness of God in, in a sinner's hell. They are ruined beyond repair. Look, I mean, listen, Jesus said in Mark 1.15, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So God told the world, repent and believe the gospel. Now, a, a lot of people will participate in the blessings of Jesus and joy of church life, and, and they'll do good deeds, and they'll be a part of you know, uh, benevolent groups, and, and, and they'll miss the point that we must turn from sin. We must accept the free gift of salvation because the opposite is horrible. A disobedient hearer will be ruined. But fourthly, the obedient hearer will be saved. This is really good news. When, when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. That's what the scripture says. Your life on earth is not the house. Your, your house, the house that he's talking about is your eternal place in heaven because there are still things here on earth that can kill us, right? So we must be talking about something more. He's talking about your eternal citizenship, your eternal place in heaven with God and true salvation is secure. It is secure. The Bible's very clear on this. You can know for sure. How does how does Jesus say uh, that that what what does he say to to the hearers? Jesus said in John five twenty four. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Jesus said that again in John 10. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. That's it. That's the key. Knowing. I know them. They, they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Now, what, what, is, 
what does God say to us in the scriptures? Jesus told us those things, but God says other things through through um, through Paul in Ephesians two eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it is a gift of God. Salvation is a gift. Romans eleven twenty nine. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Did you catch that? That gift of salvation is irrevocable. Wow. That's why he can write so clearly in Romans chapter 8. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. First John wrote, or John wrote in First John, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Look, if you're obedient to the gospel, the call to be saved, you will not come to ultimate ruin. And if that's true in your life, obedience will start to come out through that. That's not, that's not earning your way to heaven. That is the proof that your faith is real. So yeah, still, storms are still going to come. The creek is still going to rise. And, and unless Jesus raptured you, you are probably still going to die. But you will be saved. The obedient hearer will be saved. Well, how do we apply these these truths to our lives, these teachings to our lives? Well, listen, in America, the the storm is coming. I I don't want to be one of those folks who's who's a, a doomsday prophet, but the truth is the clouds are forming and thunder is in the distance and Christians will eventually be treated here just like they're treated all in all other places around the world. And regardless of what you think, it isn't because of any election. It's because that is the nature of man. And every civilization that's ever been on the earth has the nature of man. Every civilization goes this way. And so the storm is coming. And the church in America will be tried. And we are expected to weather that storm. Well, what do we do? How do we weather the storm? Well, we dig and pray. We dig deep. We dig until you know the, the full trueness, uh, truth of Christ. I mean, you, you dig until you know the essential doctrines that relate to Him. By the way, all of next year, we're going to cover those essential doctrines of, of Christ. And it's going to be a fantastic study. So you'll really want to catch this in 2021. All right, so dig and pray. Attach your faith to the biblical doctrines of Christ, to that foundation. Lay the foundation that comes from His Word that teaches us the truth about Christ. Because Christ says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So we attach our faith to those biblical truths and we pray that those anchor boats hold. So we dig and we pray. But we also trust and obey. We trust Jesus. We trust Him with our lives now and in the future. We trust and obey. So give Him your life. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. And you will be saved. Ask Him to forgive your sins and take over your life. Vow to live for the glory of His name. Then obey God out of gratitude. Not to earn it, but just out of gratitude for the gift that He's given you. Receive the gift. 
Then do good works because you are thankful. So how do we rather how do we weather this storm? Well, repeat after me. Dig and pray. Trust and obey. That's right. Let's say it together. Dig and pray. Trust and obey. Maybe today you've realized that you are doomed because of your sin. That condemnation awaits you and you don't want to stand before God like that. Call upon Him right now. Pray with me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I've been putting a lot of trust in, in being able to do good. And I've been in the church for a while. I've heard about things, but I've never given you my life. Please accept my life today. Forgive my sins. Come into my heart I want a relationship with you. Thank you for the gift of salvation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to pray for you. So send me an email, mike at fbcclover.com. Send me an email. Just let me know. Hey, Mike, I prayed that today. Please pray for me, and I will. And if you need a Bible, you send me an email, mike at fbcclover.com. Mike, I just prayed that prayer. What do I need to read now? I don't even have a Bible. I will send you a Bible. I'll tell you what to read. This is that good. It's that good of a promise. Well, thanks for tuning in today. I hope that you had a, a, a great time in this study. Man, I did. This was a really, really good study for me, and I hope it was for you too. I'm praying for you. Remember, God's for you. He's pro you, so have a blessed, blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.